0: She was introduced to osteopathic medicine as an infant and knew after a 6th grade science project with bovine brains that she wanted to become an osteopathic doctor. Dr. Jamie Lippert tells her story about how osteopathy is so much more than helping someone stand up straight. It is a healing touch which may help restore confidence in one's body, a sense of self-worth, and a more pain-free way of living. Enjoy her story. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for asking me.
0: Yeah. And so I have a quick introduction about you and your, just your biography. So you graduated from Metro Health Hospital Family Medicine OMM Residency Program. And I'm not going to mention the year, Dr. Lippert.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. It was 2004.
0: (laughs) She was the chair or continues to be the chair of the Department of OMM at Metro Health Hospital. She was the program director of the Metro Health Residency Program, currently a residency faculty physician here at MSU, the recipient of the A.T. Still Award, and was named Medical Education Physician of the Year at Metro Hospital, and finally is a physician volunteer of Spartan Street Medicine. So the list goes on and on, but I had to stop somewhere.
1: (laughs) Well, I am no longer um, affiliated with Metro Health Hospital. That that ended in 2010 when I moved with my family to Green Bay, Wisconsin. But I enjoyed my time at Metro for sure.
0: Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here and tell us your story about how you came across OMM and how you decided to choose it as a career.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Um, Yeah, I think it all, it kind of started when I was a, a young child actually, because I grew up in the Detroit area in Mount Clemens, Michigan. And there were many primary care physicians in that area who were osteopathic physicians. And my primary care as a as a young person and all the way through high school was always through an osteopathic um, family medicine specialist. So that's just okay. the my frame of reference um, for medical care. That's just kind of really the, um, yeah, just kind of the environment I was raised in.
0: And and where did you grow up here in Michigan?
1: Mount Clemens. It is about maybe 30 miles northeast of Detroit
0: okay and Mm -hmm. did your parents want to take you to an osteopathic physician for a specific reason
1: no actually that was just our our family doctor I'm the youngest of six children and um initially when I was very small we saw a I guess he was a pediatrician maybe he was a family medicine doctor um for a time but then um probably in third or fourth grade, we switched to an osteopathic physician and that's just where our whole family went.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. And so was there something when you were young that stood out to you about these physicians? I guess, mm. did you have mm-hmm. anything to compare them against or like other I guess, allopathic physicians or?
1: No, I didn't really understand what an MD was until yeah. I was in kind of later middle school. And I was interested in becoming a physician. I just always assumed that I would, you know, go to osteopathic medical school because that was the only real medicine I understood or knew. Yeah. So I didn't really know the difference until I I was older. Um, but kind of in the reverse of what most people experience. Most people yeah. know what an MD is, and they have to kind of um, discover osteopathy, but. I, I was the reverse of that.
0: Yeah, and, and probably I'm guessing a lot of that is because of Michigan State University Osteopathic Medical School being mm-hmm. here since, what, 1969? Right, yeah.
1: So I, I, of course, would never have had that appreciation as a person sure. just growing up in the area. But now sure. that I have learned more, um, the osteopathic physicians in Michigan really kind of, um, they, out of necessity, banded together and contributed financially to, first of all, open their own hospitals, because DOs were not invited to medical staffs at other hospital systems back in those days, and then to start their own medical school, which Mm -hmm. eventually became msu C O M. yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And so, going back to your childhood, what- Mm -hmm. What was it at such a young age that made you think, hmm, I want to become a doctor?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, my best friend and I in sixth grade did a science project together uh, on the human brain. And as part of that, we uh, went to a butcher shop and asked if we could have some uh, cow brains. And so we were <laughs> we were given uh, a couple of bovine brains and I was completely captivated by the function of the brain and the morphology and, you know, just on a gross level, the tangible feel of that tissue. I just was like, oh my gosh, I totally want to be a neurosurgeon.
0: Really? Um, and yeah. this is eighth grade?
1: Six. Sixth. Sixth
0: <laughs> grade.
1: Sixth wow. grade. Yeah. Yeah. So I started, you know, talking to my own physician about, you know, what it was like to be a doctor. And um, of course, I knew I was going to be an osteopathic physician just because that was my frame of reference. And um, I just never really looked back from that, from that mm-hmm. point.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I have to ask you, are your parents physicians?
1: No, actually, I was the first person in my family to go away to college. Um, My mother had gone to school all through raising her family. Um, She is a teacher and educator and was a principal. My father um, left school, left formal education at the age of 12 so that he could work for his family. Mm-hmm. And he was a very successful, but hard, hard, hard working um, mm-hmm. construction worker um, in the Detroit area, Flint, Michigan, Ionia, Michigan, um, mm-hmm. all his working career. So he yeah. he left school at a young age, but was incredibly talented. Um, yeah kind of mechanical mind that I think I might have gotten a little bit of.
0: Sure. And so they were were they very excited for you to pursue this dream of becoming a doctor, fully oh. supportive and Oh
1: yeah, yeah, my all my brothers and sisters. I'm I'm 8 years younger than my youngest sibling. So all of my brothers and sisters are like extra sets of parents for me. <laughs> And so I was raised. It took a lot of people to raise me, Ben. Um, <laughs> they were incredibly supportive and just always, no matter what I've done throughout my life, um, I've just really felt the support of my family. I've been very fortunate that way. Yeah,
0: that's, that's wonderful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you went to this osteopathic physician or mm-hmm. family physician, did what? they perform any OMT on you? oh yeah
1: oh yeah yep so i um i was a sick kid quite a bit i had pneumonia several times i had um you know lots of upper respiratory infections and things like that and i distinctly remember you know being treated and feeling better when i left the office but I don't remember him ever saying this is called osteopathic manipulative treatment and this is why I'm doing it. I think he just, it fold, it was folded into the way he took care of people. So as he would listen to my heart and lungs, he'd also be palpating my back and kind of doing what I think was probably rib raising and thoracic inlet release and all of those things.
0: Wow, um, I I need yeah. to give that a try as I'm listening oh. to lungs. I didn't even think about Ooh. that.
1: Oh yeah. I mean that that's how I practiced. At the same time. Oh yeah, that's exactly how I practiced when I was in Green Bay, too. Um and then when mm. I was in high school, I broke my ankle and um he, my family medicine physician, um, put my cast on. When it was time to take it off, he took it off and he did, um, you know, he mobilized my fibular head. I remember him doing these things, even Mm -hmm. though I didn't have the language to explain what it was. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, so you have this osteopathic family physician who is treating you osteopathically. Mm -hmm. You have this science experiments with this bovine brain. Oh yeah. And you're just fascinated by it. So what (laughs) happened after that?
1: Uh, so I I went to Northern Michigan University for my undergraduate education. That's in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan in Marquette. Um, I struggled a lot with being far away from home and just the challenges of, um, you know, going from a high school curriculum to an undergraduate college curriculum was pretty challenging. So I, I continued my plan to become a physician, but it took me uh, a lot of hard work. I am not one of those, uh, you know, immediately gifted people that everything comes easy to. So I really uh, learned the value of working hard and, yeah. Um, yeah. Just put in put in my time, and then I ended up being for a few years full time at Northern Michigan University in student activities and leadership programs, as the assistant director there. Um, all the while taking master's classes, and um, those master's classes in biochemistry, I think were really great because. I learned how to collaboratively learn um, in that process, which was different than the struggle of trying to learn independently as an undergrad. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's why I was more successful as a medical student, because of that experience of collaborative learning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of of takes me back to medical school. I think I Mm -hmm. studied with probably one of the most brilliant people in our class and I always talked to her and I'm like, you know what? Thanks to you, I graduated <laughs> medical school.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, we, we all, by the time we get there, hopefully we all have the maturity to think, you know, for the benefit of society, we all need to be successful. So let's all pull each other along and support one another and get get right. that ultimate goal of being able to practice medicine.
0: Absolutely. So what was your undergrad degree in then?
1: microbiology
0: you did microbiology okay
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and you were doing all the pre-med pre-reqs getting ready for your application to medical school
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you worked for two years two years you said
1: three three years years. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: doing a master's and working Mm -hmm. and then then med school
1: yeah and um then I applied and uh, back in those days, you know, things were a little different than they are now. But um, I applied to four osteopathic medical schools. I returned my secondary application. I, I had secondaries from all of them, but I only returned the one to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only interviewed here. I, I mean, I just had decided intuitively that if I was going to be a doctor, I was going to be an osteopathic doctor. And if I was going to be an osteopathic doctor, I was going to MSU. <laughs> so, And it just kind of worked out. I don't necessarily recommend that for people nowadays, <laughs> but yeah. it worked out.
0: What was it about MSU that attracted you so much?
1: Um, I really thought highly of... Um, going to a big 10 university, I felt that my opportunities to, you know, have that big campus experience and all of the resources that a large school could provide in terms of, you know, research or teaching opportunities in the future and things like that would be here. And I love Michigan. Um, I, this is my home state i mm-hmm. really wanted to train and learn here um so yeah
0: michigan is beautiful i mm-hmm. i moved here from alaska and i was a little hesitant i'm like i'm not sure if, how how life's going to be in michigan but the more that i am mm-hmm. here the more i am falling in love with the state with the beautiful lakes and the upper peninsula which i explored last month
1: yeah isn't oh, it yeah. awesome
0: it is awesome michigan mm-hmm. is is awesome. Yep. So you're at Michigan State University, mm-hmm. here you are in medical school, that dream that started in sixth grade is becoming a reality. Yeah. And when you went into, when you started OPP or OMT class, what was that experience like?
1: Well, I, let's see. So I think it was in orientation actually, we had a small time, a small amount of time dedicated to talking about osteopathic manipulation, OMM, osteopathic philosophy. And Ray Ruby, um, who was the, I believe he was the department chair at the time, but he was one of the senior faculty. um, He was demonstrating how to do soft tissue release uh, for the cervical spine. So we all kind of paired off and we were treating and he came by and he said, what do you think you're feeling? And I, I described to him what I was feeling with my hands and he put his hands over mine. And it was when he put his hands kind of over mine that I really felt um, the tissues moving. I really felt like this exchange of information between my partner and I and he said, "Yeah, I think you're. I think you're gonna really find this interesting, um, and I think you're gonna be good at this." And mm. I learned two things that day. One was that maybe i might be good at that, <laughs> and the other is the impact of somebody's words. Um, mm. Yeah, are so it's so important, and I have carried that with me. Uh, my whole career that the things that I say and the things that um, people hear from me are really, really important. And um, so, yeah, so I kind of, Yeah,
0: you, you definitely embody that Dr. Lippert. Um, I've often told you, I, you're always happy, always a breath of fresh air for the clinic and and those around you. Um, That's kind of you. Thank you. Yeah. So that was, that was before med school had even started then.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really, we hadn't started classes yet. I was scared to death of school. Oh, my gosh. I thought, oh, I'm not, I had no confidence. But um, once we got into classes, um, I felt better. I studied with my colleagues that I had studied with in our master's program at Northern Michigan. The three of us came here together. Oh, nice. Uh, So that was really helpful. And then OMM lab just became my uh, safe harbor. You know, if I felt like I was really struggling in other areas, I, when I got to OMM lab, I had confidence there. I had uh, great curiosity there. It just helped to anchor me.
0: Yeah. And do you attribute that to that professor who said, Hey, you know, I think you're going to be good at this?
1: I do. I do initially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then I was able to do an elective with Dr. Google where I shadowed him in his office and um, treated patients with him when I was, I believe that was as a second year osteopathic medical student. And that was very impactful. Um, was he
0: right out of residency?
1: I don't, Dr. Think, so. Oh, really? yeah. I don't okay. think so.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think, um, you know, he had actually, Dr. Google, um, practiced family medicine for okay. several years before he um, went more into specialty work, so mm-hmm. I don't know how long he had been specializing in OMM at that point, but...
0: Yeah, so then you had some wonderful clinical experiences oh, in, yeah. in OMT mm-hmm. with Dr. Google, and then... Mm-hmm. So fourth year, I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. know if there's other stories that you want to share, um, and if you do, please do, Um, but, you know, fourth year rolls around, and then it's time to decide where you go to residency. Yes. What was that process like for you? Uh,
1: as As a third and fourth year student, I was a base student at Metro Health Hospital in Grand Rapids, and I had... Some amazing mentors there as well. I knew that I wanted to go into family medicine, and they were creating or um, initiating the FM um, NMM integrated residency around that time. So it was a, a four year program, at which time, you know, when you were finished with it, you were board eligible in both family medicine and neuromusculoskeletal medicine. And mm-hmm. so Dr. Ruby and I actually kind of talked about it and he said, yeah, I think you should, I think you should consider that. That will open up a lot of doors. And so that's, I wanted to stay there and um, I had that opportunity to, to do that residency and it was fantastic. We were yes. the first residents there. And so we got to really help create and shape it and that was really great for my creative side and sure yeah yeah
0: Yeah. you you do have a creative side Dr. (laughs) Dr. Lippert I saw how you drew that sacrum for the (laughs) raffle the other day that was artistic oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) so so was at the time did they not have OMM strict resident or OMM residencies just standalone
1: Yes, there were. They did. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And um, the program here at, Mich- at Michigan State was very well established and was um, really own. I I chose to specialize in family medicine as well because I felt that that foundation um, combined with the neuromusculoskeletal medicine side was really important for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helped. I, I really look at health from a really broad perspective. And I, I really wanted that background as well. And then our program also had an OB track within the residency. And I am very, very passionate about, um, you know, treating infants and pregnant women and laboring women. And uh, I, I really see that as so illustrative of what we can do with osteopathic manipulative medicine. So I got to do a lot of that too.
0: Sure. So you, so you chose FM OMM because you wanted to have more of a broad based medical knowledge mm-hmm. with the idea of potentially maybe treating the patient a little more I don't know if you want to use the word holistically, but you could manage their blood pressure medications and their diabetes. Yeah, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I would say more uh, globally, I guess.
0: I see. Globally, that's Mm -hmm. a better word. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you were the first class in your residency program Mm -hmm. and you continued on there after you graduated from residency. Is that right?
1: I did. Yes. So I had the opportunity to serve as the assistant program director in family medicine um, and then went on to become the program director of family medicine and then also the family medicine nmm program
0: and so it seems like you've always had this tie to students Mm -hmm. medical students undergrad students um, residents what is it that you love about teaching i guess
1: i i I love being able to provide space and opportunity to, be able to discover more about how they want to practice medicine. So I, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy sharing osteopathic medicine um, and osteopathy with people who are just discovering it or people who. Mm-hmm think they have a grounding in it, but um, maybe are only scratching the surface and just to kind of help open up um, the fullness of what osteopathy has to offer, um, mm-hmm. you know, learners and students, residents. And, sure. you know, I'm not, I'm not like some, I, I'm not, you know, like I said, the, the most um, brilliant, person in the room but i like to think that i uh, help other people shine um, and provide Mm -hmm. opportunities for for people to really explore their own talents and their own
0: potential i mean i think what's so awesome about this clinic is that i look at all of you um, attendings practicing and i can see how much You all love what you do, genuinely love what you do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that testimony alone speaks volumes and is very inspiring. And that's the nonverbal communication. Um, So, yeah, um, you're influencing me, Dr. Lippert. Uh,
1: (laughs) Well, that's good. I hope in in a good way. (laughs) In a good,
0: in a good, a very good way. (laughs)
1: Well, and I think I'm continuing. I I love being back at Michigan State now. I just got back in January 2020. And I love being back because I continue to learn so much um, being here and having the, the opportunities to Learn more um, from my patients. I think my patients have always been my best and strongest teachers. But also to be able to do some um, educational research and clinical research, um, I just I feel like I am really able to expand you know, my own knowledge base and my own experience base.
0: And is that really what brought you back, that desire to do more clinical research? Because you were practicing for, what, 10 years Mm -hmm. in a private family medicine practice in Green Bay?
1: Yes, yes. Um, I wanted to come back because I really wanted to teach and I really wanted to do research. Um, And I wanted to come home. I wanted to okay. be back in Michigan. I see. Mm-hmm. But I did loved you- my time in Green Bay. Oh my goodness.
0: And did you do a lot of OMT there?
1: Yes. Yes. So um, I took that experience from my own healthcare as a child and young adult and um, really wanted to take care of people in that way. I really wanted to, when I saw my patients with hypertension, I wanted to, you know, look for somatic dysfunction from T1 to T5 and treat it mm-hmm. out. I wanted to look for Chapman's reflexes when I saw people with abdominal pain and see if it would really help me tease out. Is this an ovarian issue or is this an appendix issue? I I really wanted to, fully appreciate osteopathy within that primary care setting. And I had that opportunity um, time and time again, treated everybody with sinusitis, treated all the babies with otitis media um, all the while that I was also listening to their heart, looking in their ears, you know, doing all the patient education piece. Um, And then I also, because I was doubly board certified, I also was able to accept consultation from my colleagues for neuromusculoskeletal um, issues. And Mm -hmm. I became um, involved in the concussion team um, in our health system. So I did a lot of the uh, cranial work for folks that had head trauma.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Is there any one particular patient interaction that stands out in your mind over that 10 year span?
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh. And if
0: not, that's fine.
1: I mean, they're just all so, um, all so valuable. I, mm-hmm. I remember um, seeing a family that they had brought their baby in to be seen. Baby had a fever. And they were seen by uh, another um, colleague in our health system and they were given you know guidance on well this looks viral you know go on home take care of you know call us if these things happen and that baby kept getting worse and so they brought the baby in to see me and he had a high fever no other sign of you know i couldn't say well it's obvious that it's an ear infection or Mm -hmm. there was just no other sign of illness and I put my hands on the baby's head and uh, I felt so much dural tension in that baby and so much um, restriction. And I, I said, I, I think we need to get your baby to the hospital, to the emergency department. And that baby um, had, was diagnosed with meningitis and did well, did well uh, mm-hmm. extremely well and continued to be my patient for the entire duration of my time there. Um, oh. but I was so grateful for my osteopathic training. Um, mm-hmm. so that when I put my hands on that child, I knew that there was something, um, you know, really going on there. Um, but yeah. there are just so many experiences that I have, um, and that is the beauty, I think, of family medicine is I I took care of people over 10 years. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw people diagnosed with um, life-ending diseases and supported their family through that end of life stage. I saw many babies be born to families and watched those families grow and uh, go through really amazing things, life experiences and help people heal from head injuries that, uh, you know, could have ended their careers or could have really um, ended the way that they saw their future and was able to help them. So, I mean, all of those things were just so incredible to me.
0: Yeah. Are, do you hope to work with some patients here at MSU over a long period of time? Do you think you will have that, I guess that same continuity factor with some patients here?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I'm hopeful that in the work that I do here uh, at the clinic and the OMM clinic, that I'm able to help people be more independent with their their health and with their movement, that they don't need me very much. Mm Um, and that, you know, the babies and the children that I see that really what we're hoping osteopathy does for those children is it sets the stage for a lifelong health that they won't need us necessarily Mm -hmm. as specialists. I mean, sure. Um, so that's something I really struggled with, especially after we first moved here. Um, the pandemic started about you know, two months after I left and I had such remorse and grief over leaving my patient community and my colleagues in Green Bay during such a time Mm -hmm. where they really, you know, probably could have used, you know, the reassurance of knowing their doctor at the level that we knew each other. Um, yeah. So that was a sense of, of real loss for me. I really struggled with that. And only just recently, I've started to kind of let go of that.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, 10 years where people mm-hmm. are opening up their most intimate problems with you mm-hmm. and, and watching them grow. And, and yeah, I can imagine the incredible bond that you had with them and, and leaving, especially, like you said, in the difficult time of the pandemic. Yeah, that would Mm -hmm. be very challenging. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, Dr. Lipper, we're really happy to have you here.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks. I'm really, I am, I'm truly, truly, truly very grateful. Um, And I just can't believe that I have this amazing life that I have. It's fantastic.
0: And is the, the patient population that you love to treat with OMT is, are those infants?
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Why is that? Why is that? Oh, wow. Well, that probably goes back to residency. Um, the the extreme honor and privilege of being able to help a family welcome that new human into the world is and I say it like that and it makes it sound very i don't know flowery or poetic or romantic or something but i mm-hmm. i truly feel like that's such a gift and so if i can help a family welcome that new person into the world and help them help that baby help that person acclimate to life on the outside so to speak um, I just feel like that is a, a tremendous um, opportunity and mm-hmm. a tremendous privilege. Um, so I love working with families and their, their children and their babies. Um, I also really feel the um, that potential, that um, capacity for health and for wellness mm-hmm. and for um, helping that person have the impact in the world that they want to have and and I feel like osteopathy has done that for me so I just feel really good about sharing that
0: yeah that's mm-hmm. that's phenomenal i know dr dr fulford he loved to treat babies mm-hmm. um, and i'm wondering you know when the baby's getting squished through the um, the pelvic cavity and and coming mm-hmm. out and you know, taking its first breath in in the Mm -hmm. world. Those, let's say the restrictions that you find in a newborn, I guess Mm -hmm. it'd be really hard to say if if you didn't treat them, do you think there could still be, I don't know, the residual effects of going through, I would say a a fairly traumatic experience of birth if it is a natural birth?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there is something to uh, a vaginal delivery though that is extremely physiologic too. There, that is that physiologic compression and expansion. um, I think that that is part of how we're designed. Like that's Mm -hmm. just what's, you know, what happens. And that triggers us to take that first breath and it triggers Mm -hmm. the change in our myocardium and in our pulmonary parenchyma and you know i mean that's what triggers all of that to happen so it's very yeah. very physiologic um but it isn't gentle it's there's not. <laughs> not a lot about being born that's gentle right um, yeah. so so yeah i think that if there is strain present and we can help um that that person unwind um and kind of accept the the new environment of being um, extra uterine, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that can set the stage for for future health. I, I always, and this is every patient that I see um, in my mind, when I put my hands on, I, I think to myself, okay, what is it that you need? What do you need? And what can I do for you? And whether that's a baby or, uh, you know, an adult um, or a hospice patient, um, I feel that, that that's the question that I ask myself, um, sure. and that I'm drawn to whatever, whatever that is.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting that you say that. One of our um, interviewers last week, one of the candidates um, interested in our residency program, when... I asked him, what is it that you love about OMT? He said, I really enjoy having a conversation with the body. And I thought, wow, that's really well put.
1: Yeah. That's very
0: much what what you're saying.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, it's our access point to so much of that individual's health and history and future. And it's really impactful.
0: Sure. And as far as OMT techniques, is there, mm-hmm. are there certain techniques that you're more drawn towards and that you like to use with your patients?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, what a good question. Um, I guess I, I try to be open to, um, you know, if I'm going to ask the question, what do you need and how can I help mm-hmm. you? I better be open to whatever <laughs> I hear back. <laughs> yeah. So um, I would say, you know, the majority of folks that are healthy and, uh, are pretty active and, and mobile. Um, I use a lot of muscle energy for lumbar pelvis Mm -hmm. and sacrum. I use, um, myofascial ligamentous articular strain, um, BLT for ribs and thorax and, um, lots of, lots of cranial like balanced membranous and Um, Mm -hmm. balance fluid techniques for for lots of different things. So it really depends on what I hear back from the patient when I ask them what they need.
0: And can you go into a little more depth, Dr. Lippert, into what what we exactly mean by having that conversation with the body? Is -hmm. that coming from you're listening to the patient's um, story of why they're in the clinic in the first place? Is it more palpatory? Is it a combination?
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination, honestly, because the person's um, story is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard different different osteopathic mentors of mine talk about that in different ways. Um, some have said, you know, I don't really want them to the patient to talk to me a lot. I want to just follow where my hands take me. Mm -hmm. Um, And others say, well, you have to get this really in depth history, because, you know, 90% of the story and, and the treatment is going to be from their history. So I think I, I fall somewhere in the middle of that, where I think it's important to the person's health and well-being that they tell their story and they have that opportunity to share that. And Mm -hmm. I combine that with my hands and with with what I'm feeling. So I might be asking them history and asking them to tell me their story while I'm palpating. Mm -hmm. And that can be real informative too. You know, if a person is telling me a story about how they were injured, um, in a motor vehicle accident, um, and how they were, um, incredibly traumatized by the accident. Um, you can kind of feel that fascial tension building in their system. It helps kind of guide my hands a bit. Um, so that helps me, that helps, I think, to guide where I'm going and what I'm going to do. It's so yeah. difficult if you just put your hands on and start looking for dysfunction, because there's oftentimes so much dysfunction. Yeah. You have to find where that key is. Right.
0: And it's so, I mean, we, we both teach the, the first year medical students at Michigan State University mm-hmm. in OMT techniques. And it's been so incredible to watch the students grow in their own palpatory skills, where Mm-hmm. At the start, like, well, what, what am I trying to feel? Mm-hmm. And then after each lab, they just get better and better, and they start picking up on, you know, the the type one and two dysfunctions of the spine. And yeah, um, yeah. So I can only imagine how good your palpatory skills are, Doctor Lippert, after all these years of treating oh. patients.
1: Well, I mean, I think again, I. I think I'm still gaining skill in that area. I think every single patient that you see provides you more opportunity to develop your palpatory skill. And then, yeah, I think the teaching has really helped too, because I'm putting my hands over the student's hands and trying to help them feel things. And that, um, that's a really amazing palpatory experience too. It really keys in your, your mechanoreceptors and your proprioceptors and you feel, you know, so much sure, sure. through that.
0: And speaking of you working with the MSU Com medical students, you also do a lot of volunteer work with them doing mm. Spartan street medicine.
1: I do. I'm so fortunate that Within, like, the first week of being here, I was, like, I mentioned earlier, I was so, uh, just so acutely missing my primary care patients. I was so homesick for them. And one of the medical students in OMM lab said, Oh, hey, Dr. Lipper, we heard you used to be in family medicine. Would you ever want to? get involved in the Spartan Street Medicine organization. And I said, well, yeah, that sounds interesting. And it wasn't for several weeks um, before I actually went out on rounds. And actually it was after the pandemic had started. And I just love it. I love being back in that environment of, of primary care and, and serving a community of people who are otherwise may not have access to that kind of primary care and that opportunity to, you know, have somebody want to hear their story and touch them in a kind healing way instead of a, you know, discriminatory or, you know, kind of traumatic way it's really yeah. great
0: and i've heard you've done omt on park benches on mm-hmm. bus benches and
1: yeah wherever wherever yeah. the person is yeah i think um treating people where they are is figurative and quite literal as well <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's been a really
0: great experience yeah. Mm-hmm. I had the privilege of going out um, with the Spartan Street Medicine a few months ago. Yeah. And it was a phenomenal experience um, reaching out to these people um, who, like you say, otherwise may not know about or have the opportunity to, to come into the clinic. And mm-hmm. I was at the the warming shelter mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. there off Michigan Avenue. And one of the, you know, I think you have treated the, the same guy And he's like, oh, doc, come, come do some manipulation. I need some manipulation.
1: You know, I think that that's a beautiful thing. You and I have had this conversation just this afternoon about how do you communicate what we do
0: to people?
1: How do you explain it in a way that um, is meaningful, uh, expansive enough to encompass everything that You know, it could be, but also concise enough to be able to deliver that message. And um, I think, honestly, the more people that we treat and the more people that we care for osteopathically, they share the message with others. Yeah. Um, And so we have been out um, on rounds where people have come up and said, you know, we heard that you sometimes can treat back pain um with your hands can you show me what that is and I'm like oh my gosh these are our best advocates I love it yeah. <laughs> we we are getting out you know the word about healthier ways to treat pain which is great right
0: absolutely mm-hmm.
1: absolutely
0: yeah and and you know that guy he was he was just so grateful you know and he was he was walking with a cane just kind of hunched over and just helped him kind of elongate his his paraspinal muscles and mm-hmm. um, just, you know, stood up and just felt so much better. And it's, it's very rewarding, you know, when you can help somebody, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. and it, mean, it means
1: so much more than just standing up straight, you know, that. That's true. Oh, it just has so much impact. So it provides comfort. It provides confidence in your own body's ability. It provides hope. Um yeah. It provides options for people who may not have a lot of options or a lot of control in their life. You you create opportunity for them when yeah. you treat them and help their body work better. So it's huge. I love
0: it. Absolutely. Yeah, so I look forward to many more opportunities helping out with uh, Spartan Street Medicine. So thank you for helping to organize that and volunteering mm-hmm. there.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate your your gifts and your talent and, and your willingness to share that with folks. its great. And it
0: helps me also not forget the primary care, mm-hmm. blood pressure and the diabetes and the ulcers and, and all those things that I oftentimes don't see here in the OMT clinic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, great, Dr. Lippert. Thank you so much for your time. I usually start off the podcast getting to know you better as a person and ask you questions about books and documentaries and and things like that. So maybe we could end with this, your, your favorite, the book that you're reading or your favorite or a book recommendation that you would
1: have. Oh, that's great. Because when I heard you interviewing, um, Dr. Dave Grimshaw, he had these wonderful inspirational (laughs) books. And I was like, Oh my God, he's (laughs) going to ask me what I'm reading. And I'm going to be like, um, well, so, however, I also believe in, you know, being completely honest and you're, it's going to have to take me where I'm at. So I'm reading three books right now. The first of them is called Hunting Count Dracula. It is by Carrie Maniscalco, she is a young adult writer. And um, it's a it's a book about a young heroine who is um, she is fascinated by forensic science. And she it's set in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when girls weren't supposed to be science people you know that was unladylike which (laughs) I just I love that genre and that thought process anyway but it's one of my daughter's favorite books my youngest daughter Abby Uh, she is spending her senior year of high school in Germany Mm -hmm. and um, one way that I wanted to stay connected with her was to read um, 10 books 10 of her favorite books during the 10 months that she's gone. And so that's the one that I'm working on right now. It helps make me feel a little more connected to her.
0: Yeah, that's neat.
1: The other one that I'm reading right now is kind of my perpetual book, um, which is the Lord of the Rings series. Oh, yeah. Um, I have been reading the Lord of the Rings since I was in eighth grade. Uh, and I just kind of read it cover to cover over and over and over again. Um,
0: so how and, many times have you read it?
1: Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> it's meditative for me. It's very,, uh, it's like uh, when I am feeling stress or when I'm happy or whenever, it feels mm-hmm. like an old friend. And so yeah. that is my that is my thing. And I'm actually probably, very much part hobbit so um so my nickname in, in middle school was frodo uh, so because i'm kind of unassuming i'm small i love to garden i don't mind you know i love being home but if you've got an you know an evil ring that needs to be thrown into the fires of mordor i'm your gal
0: i'll do it <laughs> yeah,
1: so so that's the other one hey, that, that I
0: could, right got your, you've got your halloween costume for next year
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go yeah.
0: and did you and have then, a third um, one that you were
1: reading the third one is called um oh boy the nature of the beast it is by louise penny who is a, a quebecoise author she i'm i'm I was born in Michigan, but I my ancestry very recently is Quebecois, okay. and um, so all of her books are set in Quebec, mm-hmm. a place that I deeply love and feel incredibly connected when I'm there, and um, it's all kind of forensic. It's you know based on uh, an inspector with the Sûreté de Québec. And so I I love the whole um, genre and just hearing um, the scenes of Quebec makes me feel connected to my past. So yeah.
0: Are they eating any poutine in the book?
1: Not much poutine, generally speaking. (laughs) Poutine grosses me out, actually. However, I have been uh, teased a bit that I eat gravy on everything. I, just not my French fries. I can't. <laughs> fries. That's just gross. So.
0: Well, what about a movie or documentary recommendation?
1: Okay, Do so my movie um, my movie recommendation is Singing in the Rain.
0: Oh, nice. Gene,
1: Gene Kelly is my favorite actor. Yeah. And uh, I love, um, you know, those... 40s 50s old time musicals um sure. where you just get to see all of these people moving and dancing but yeah. the, the reason is that the way his body moves and the way dancers bodies move um is part of what kind of inspires me yeah. um, in, in the work that i do and whenever i give a, a a lecture on fascia i always have my picture of gene kelly um, <laughs> Because it's just like this perfect illustration of how important fascia is in our sure. body. So yeah,
0: I'm gonna have to watch that again and look at it in mm-hmm. that light. Watch you it should totally
1: light. watch it and think about fascia.
0: Yes, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, and then final question, Dr. Lippert and with this we can end. Okay. A for those osteopathic medical students who, you know, maybe are not so excited about going to OMT lab and are kind of dragging their feet, Mm -hmm. um, are doing it just to to graduate. Would you have any recommendations or words of wisdom for them?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think just um, being open to learning is essential when you are going to be taking care of people in whatever capacity. And so any aspect of your learning that even if it's not something that you're particularly interested in or feel talented in, being open to that um, helps prepare you for the openness that you'll need as a physician. And you just might be surprised. Um, the, the tangible, uh, aspect of palpation and interacting with the musculoskeletal system is our portal of entry a lot of times into being able to really partner with our patients so don't write it off be open you just might be surprised and you just might find that you have talent where you did not think you did
0: yeah absolutely well thank you so much again Dr. Lippert for sharing your story your kind of your, your life journey in OMT (laughs) and um, your enthusiasm and your excitement about the profession and your continuous joy. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to have you on again in the future.
1: Well, thank you, Ben. I really appreciate the chance to uh, be a part of this incredible and impressive project that you have. (laughs) I love it. I love your podcast. I listen all the time.
0: (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks Mm -hmm. so much. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk to you later.
1: Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: It would be a real challenge to find a more joyful personality, someone who always has something positive to say and to lift you up. She embodies osteopathy with her very presence and way of life. What a great story. Thanks for sharing, Dr. Lippert.